Coming up on Mayo Clinic Q&A. There's a lot changing. The fact that recommendations are changing, I want to urge you, is not evidence that people don't know what they're doing. It's evidence that they do know what they're doing and they're paying close attention to new data that's coming along and then adjusting recommendations based on that. Recommendations on COVID-19 booster shots and vaccinations for children are expected to happen this month, based on data presented to the FDA advisory panel last week. How will you know what's recommended for you and your loved ones? I think that there's, there's going to be a lot of information. Social media is not always going to get it right. Um, please go to credible sources. Welcome everyone to Mayo Clinic Q&A. I'm Dr. Helena Gazelka. We're recording this podcast on Monday, October the 18th, 2021. Last week, an FDA advisory panel met to discuss and make recommendations on booster shots from Moderna and J&J vaccines. And here with us to discuss today is Dr. Greg Poland. Thanks for being here again today, Greg. Yes, of course. Good morning and happy Monday. Wonderful to have you here today. We have some updates today, and then I have a listener mailbag for you as well. Okay, those are always good. But tell us what's been happening with all these meetings and advisory panels. It's hard for us all to keep up. It was a really busy week, a lot of hours spent in committee meetings. So there were two meetings, all-day meetings this past week. And basically what the committee heard were the data supporting the notion of a booster dose for Moderna and J&J. And then the second item was about so-called mix and match, who should get what kind of vaccine. Now, the important part here, and I wanna go through this a bit slowly so people don't get confused. Previously, the recommendation was made for a third dose of uh, uh, Pfizer vaccine for people who were moderately to severely immunocompromised. So if you're moderately to severely immunocompromised, in reality, your series is three doses. For everybody else, it's a series of two doses and a booster if you fit into certain categories. Um, the other point is that very likely the Moderna booster will be half the dose that you got in your primary oh, series. So in other words, not 100 micrograms, but 50 micrograms. J&J and Pfizer will stay the same. What happened this past week is that the committee voted on both questions unanimously in favor of authorizing a Moderna booster and a J&J booster. Now, here's what has to happen. The FDA takes that advisory committee's recommendation under advisement. They will issue a recommendation this week. It will go now to the CDC, to what's called the ACIP, Advisory Committee on Immunization Practices. And they will actually implement and approve that. So what do I expect will happen? I expect that we will see that recommendation voted favorably upon. And it's, it's pretty simple. It's four things. If you are, I guess five, if you are over the age of 65, you should be offered a booster. 
If you are over the age of 18 and in a long-term care setting, you should be offered a booster. If you are greater than 18 years old and you have underlying medical problems that put you at risk for severe COVID, you should be offered the vaccine. If you're over 18 and you work in a high-risk setting, you may be offered the booster. And if you're over 18 and living in a high-risk setting, uh, for example, a home, prison, something like that, then you also may be offered that vaccine. So really at this point, it's functionally almost everybody over the age of 18 who's at elevated risk. That includes, Helena, you and I uh, being in, in healthcare. Right. It's, um, it's uh, uh, first responders, it's teachers. Those are high risk settings, as we know, as kids have gone back to school. Now, what, what will happen toward the end of this month will be another committee meeting about extending the Pfizer vaccine down to age five. So a lot happening. One of the big, big questions that comes up is this mix and match. And let me kind of summarize that data. I think, this is my belief, we will move to the point where J&J &J is a two-dose series, just like the mRNA vaccines. Um, if you got the J&J vaccine and you get a J&J &J booster, your antibodies go up about fourfold. If you got the J&J &J as your primary dose and you get Pfizer, your antibodies go up 35-fold. If you got the J&J &J as your initial dose and got a Moderna booster, your antibodies go up 76-fold. Now, those are impressive numbers, but even, yeah, but even a second J&J &J, uh, vaccine is tremendously effective. And one other point, just again, in transparency, none of the studies that are being brought forward to talk about booster doses measured T-cell immunity, which is a major arm of immunity. So we're kind of basing all of this on antibody level, which we believe is likely to turn out to be a correlate of protection. There's one other point that likely will not um, occur to people immediately. A very high-risk group, and we've talked a bit about it in the past, are pregnant women. So the recommendation for pregnant women, even though they are younger, they don't have any perhaps underlying medical conditions, they're not in a high-risk setting, they're not living in a high-risk uh, setting or in, in a high-risk workplace, they do get a booster because the risk when you're pregnant is so high, about a 70-fold increased risk of death even for a healthy pregnant woman. So a pregnant woman who's had two doses, let's say of an mRNA vaccine, does get a booster dose if it's been six or more months. A lot of information there. <laughs> it is, that is a lot of information. And I appreciate you mentioning the pregnancy because yeah. we've had multiple listener questions on that very topic. And speaking of listener uh, questions, Greg, I have a number of them for you today. So I think you answered this question earlier, but just to clarify for this listener, 
this uh, listener wants to know about booster shots. Are booster shots the exact same vaccine as what was given earlier? So when you get a booster of Pfizer, it's the same vaccine you received earlier, or is there something different about what is being injected? No, you're, you're uh, exactly right, Helena. If you get a J&J &J booster, it is identical what, to your first shot. If you get a Pfizer booster, it is identical to the original Pfizer vaccine. If you get a Moderna booster, it is identical in composition, but different in dose. Instead of 100 micrograms, you'll get half that. You'll get 50 micrograms. And just to make it a little more complicated, when we, when we get to the point of immunizing children five to 11, it will be a third of the normal Pfizer dose. When we get to six months up to four years, it'll be a 10th of the normal Pfizer dose. So, uh, you know, the, the, that'll have to be kept in mind and people cognizant of that, particularly the ones administering uh, vaccine, but the composition of the vaccine is identical across those doses. And that really shouldn't be surprising. We give a child a different dose of a medicine, for example, than we right. do um, an adult, so. Right. <clears throat> All right, the next question. This individual states that their 84-year-old mother is frail, but not really immune compromised. They've been trying to encourage her to consider a booster. Mm. She has heard from a friend that the booster gave them COVID. Is that possible? Yeah, no, that's, it. that's impossible. And just to correct two misperceptions there. Even an otherwise healthy, non-frail 84-year-old is, in essence, immunocompromised. They have what we call immunosenescence. Their immune system has aged to the point where they don't have the same immune response and are at increased risk. And we use as a cutoff for that, it saddens me to say, since I've now joined this club, anybody over the age of 65. <laughs> So, so in fact, she absolutely should have a booster, but it is impossible to get COVID from the vaccine. All of the vaccines available here in the U.S. contain one tiny protein from the virus. It is not a live virus. It's sort of like taking uh, a pen and just taking the little clicker ballpoint part of it and saying, that's the vaccine. It's not the pen, you couldn't write with it, just like you can't get infected with uh, the virus or get COVID from the vaccine. Sometimes, Greg, I wonder how these things pop into your head about yeah. ballpoint pens <laughs> in comparison to vaccination. <laughs> that's a great analogy, thank you. Thank you. You know, you answered this a little bit earlier as well, but this individual is um, thinking about receiving a booster vaccination while pregnant. She, uh, she received the Moderna vaccine and now is wondering if a, if a booster is um, recommended, should she get the booster prior to her delivery? Yeah, if it has been six or more months since she completed or primary series, and I don't think we can go over this enough, it's so important, and you're pregnant, even though you are otherwise healthy. I mean, I know pregnant women uh, still running half marathons, for example, in their pregnant, they are healthy. 
because of being pregnant, it increases their risk for pulmonary infection and complications such as blood clotting. And as we mentioned, a risk of death that's 70 times higher, a woman her exact same age and health, but who is not pregnant. So if it's been six or more months, they do get a booster. Now, if it's Moderna, they'll get a booster that's half the dose of their primary series, but really important that they get that booster. All right. Our next listener says um, they have kept their children home from school so that they will not develop COVID. Once they are vaccinated, would it be safe to send them to school for the rest of the school year? It's a, it's a good question. And, I, you know, the, the way I want to answer it is this way. There's no such thing as safe. I mean, I, 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 fundamentally, I think we have to acknowledge that. There's no such thing as safe. What there is, is safer. And being vaccinated is safer than not being vaccinated. My personal opinion is the best place for kids is in school, all the activities that are occur, the learning, the group learning, the socialization, there's just, there's just a lot to that that's important, whether they're in homeschool or public school or private school. And so, yes, being immunized offers them uh, just fantastic odds of either not getting infected or if they got infected, being asymptomatic. Or, or at worst, mild disease. So very much so worth immunization. Now, I would have a discussion with your healthcare provider based on any medical conditions that the child has and any risks associated with the vaccine. As we have always talked about, there are risks to the vaccines, but they occur you know, a handful of times out of a million versus the risks of disease. And so you and your healthcare provider can best make that determination about benefit and risk. All right, this next question is about vaccine dosing. <clears throat> this individual has an 11-year-old daughter whose uh, daughter weighs an adult weight of about 140 pounds. She says that if, if the vaccine is approved for under age 12, she would get a smaller dose of the vaccine, as you discussed. But mm. if they were to wait three more months until her birthday in January, she would get a larger dose of the vaccine because she would be 12 years old. Would you say that she should wait and get the larger dose of the vaccine or accept what could be given now? When These, it's are, approved? <laughs> these are tough questions. They are. Um, yeah, you know, again, a balance of risks and benefits. Um, regardless of weight, this recommendation is being made by age. And so we're obligated to follow the provisions of the EUA. That's one point. The second point is, and I, and I want to say this carefully, more is not necessarily better. And what I mean by that is if she were to get her dose, whether her antibodies went up 20-fold or 40-fold, I don't think matters. The point is that she'll be protected. Um, if, and, and let me just make up the numbers. If your antibody level that you need for protection is 100 and you get a booster and it puts you up at 1,000, who cares if a larger booster puts you up at 1,200? 
you're so far above the level of protection, assuming an otherwise normal, you know, healthy child, right. that, that I think to go against the EU way and try to dose somebody because you think, you know, more would be better. I, I really, I think that's shaky scientific ground and it's definitely shaky legal ground. And then I think of the months of being inside if this individual is attending school in the winter time and those extra months of being vaccinated are probably quite important. Oh yes. And you know, I think the the parent that wrote in is thinking wisely, as as our listeners always have here, um, in asking about that, in asking questions, in being skeptical and looking for answers. I, I think that's that's great. I, I am concerned that as we see around the US, numbers are dropping. Now, along the north, they're not dropping, they're rising. When you look at North Dakota, Montana, Idaho, Alaska, Minnesota is up 12%. Um, and we're gonna see that, we've seen this before. We had really large high numbers that started dropping in late summer only to see the numbers pick back up as people go indoors and there's cooler weather, weather and the virus survives better. So now I think is actually a very opportune time to get those boosters and try to prevent that happening, particularly with the holidays coming. Mm -hmm. That's a very good point. Well, Greg, you gave us a lot of information today. I have reached the end of the mailbag. Do you have anything else you'd like to share with us today? Um, I, you know, I, I think that there's there's going to be a lot of information. Social media is not always going to get it right. Um, please go to credible sources. There's a lot changing. The fact that recommendations are changing, I want to urge you, is not evidence that people don't know what they're doing. It's evidence that they do know what they're doing and they're paying close attention to new data that's coming along and then adjusting recommendations based on that. For example, we heard uh, uh, just superb presentations. Israel is ahead of us in terms of the use of boosters. Despite the fact that they had such high levels of immunization, they were seeing breakthrough cases. We discussed before why that is. They embarked on their booster program and reduced cases by over 90%. Wow. That's the power of these boosters over time. Of course, when the two-dose recommendation was made, we didn't have years of experience with this virus to say, oh, well, everybody needs a booster at, at six months. We're just learning that now as we get to this six, seven, and eighth month since people have been immunized. So uh, I do urge people take these recommendations for boosters very seriously. Thank you very much, Greg, for being here again today. My, my pleasure, Helena. Always good to work with you. Always good to see you. Our thanks to Dr. Greg Poland, virologist, vaccine expert, and infectious disease expert at the Mayo Clinic for being here today to share our COVID updates. I hope that you learned something. I know that I did. We wish each of you a wonderful day. Mayo Clinic Q&A is a production of the Mayo Clinic News Network and is available wherever you get and subscribe to your favorite podcasts. To see a list of all Mayo Clinic podcasts, visit newsnetwork.mayoclinic.org. Then click on podcasts. Thanks for listening and be well.
We hope you'll offer a review of this and other episodes when the option is available. Comments and questions can also be sent to Mayo Clinic News Network at mayo.edu.